If you missed it live, catch the broadcast on kaya959.co.za. Dr. Sheldon Rochaliel, thank you so much for being here. That was a wonderful offering, a.k.a. Yes, um, it was from his, uh, well, it's called Lemons yeah. Lemonade. Yeah. And it was from his album Mass Country, which was released posthumously. And yeah. I guess uh, I guess the big thing for um, with a.k.a. is that this week... I mean, we're right in the middle of it, right? That uh, horrible, horrible... Well, now we we have seven people that are on trial. And who knows how many many other people are going to be joining the seven. Exactly. But so this speaks to your theme, right? Yeah. So a few years ago, I started writing like... I I started thinking, you know, music musicians, uh, we are very interesting people. And then I was like, what what is the cause of the demise of many musicians? And then I was like, yo, there's always like some like a thread. Mm. Like I wrote an article about like musicians have died in airplane crashes. Mm-hmm. So it's like there's like a thing. Like if you're a musician, you're either gonna die from an airplane crash, mm-hmm. a drug overdo- uh, a drug overdose, some mental health mm-hmm. problem, mm-hmm. or you're gonna get assassinated. I mean, and that is what the theme of today it is. It is. Eh? I mean, it's it's one of those. It's it gives you a bit of street cred. I mean, I I, <laughs> I say that with a little bit of shame. It is a bit ominous, but, but I think, especially in hip hop. Yeah. Well, I guess. Look, you you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Although although, AKA, was born in Cape Town, moved to Johannesburg, and went to a very posh private school. St. John's, yes. So, I mean, which is also quite interesting because another friend of mine, Zwei, mm-hmm. uh, he also went to a posh yes, private school. Yes, went to St. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So all of these rappers going to yeah. posh private schools. But that's not the origins of hip-hop. And, mm. um, and hip-hop started in New York in the Bronx in 1973. And... New York in 1973 was not a great place. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was high crime, a lot of poverty. The town was in, in $11 billion worth of debt mm. at the time. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't not a great place. Mm. So people need a lot of money. And um, so what people started doing is they started having these block parties. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you, you know about the block yeah. parties, but basically it was a way to raise rent Yes, for, for to pay for your rental rent, yeah. for the month. So they used to have these parties and people used to come down and then they used to raise money so that people could pay for their rent for the month. And, um, and at these parties, they used to hire DJs and mm-hmm. these DJs used to play the music, but they didn't want any of the boring stuff. And actually a lot of the, the tradition of hip hop was born out of... Uh, taking beats or breaks in the music that they thought were interesting, but those breaks weren't very long. So they started using two two turntables to extend the breaks. Mm. Um, and they got that tradition from Jamaica mm. and from the Caribbean islands. So it was directly uh, inherited from that, but also on the sideline. And this is the beauty of hip hop is that uh, the people that were making hip hop were often, they didn't have any expertise on how to, make music they mm. they weren't formally trained musicians mm. and so they'd make music with whatever they had around so some people were poets and some people were beatboxers and you slam the two together and you've got hip-hop but obviously that that's not very interesting mm. and so with the block parties and the djs and then most of those breaks were instrumental mm. they started getting mcs involved and the mcs started rapping over that 
But because of a lot of the poverty in New York at the time, many of these guys were also in gangs. Mm. So gangsterism and gang warfare was a big thing in in rap culture. And so as a result thereof, I think like one-on-one go together, you know, mm. like gangsterism and violence and and crime and all of these things so, sort of converged on each other. So I think like unfortunately uh, uh, occupational hazard of being a rap star mm. is that this could happen. This, the, you know, that an assassination could occur because many of the rappers came from a background of, of gangsterism. Yeah. And what, sometimes I'm not quite sure if it's music turf wars yeah. or is it turf wars about other things? You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, because yeah. some of these worlds are so intertwined. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it could be a lot of stuff. And, and you know, like guys, testosterone mixed Ego. together. It's not a, a drugs... And all of this stuff mixed together is not a good thing. And look, in AKA's case, it's not that, and it's not. I don't think it's gangsterism, and everyone. Yes, seems, and this is going to be a really interesting case. Yes, to, because to watch, just like the Kelly Kumalo case, which is also very interesting to watch, and like with all the revelations, mm-hmm. and like people now seeming to come back to the original starting point, mm. which was she involved in it or wasn't mm. she involved in it? I mean, that's the speculation. Mm. With with um, AKA, it seems like everything was going fine for him. He he got really famous really quickly. By the, by the time he was 18 years old, he was already nominated for a Cora Award. Mm. And then from there, he started collaborating with some of the biggest artists in the country and even in the continent. I mean, Burner Boy and him even mm. did work together and all of that stuff. And it all seemed to go awry with the death of his girlfriend Mm. um, who jumped, supposedly jumped Mm. out of the hotel room in Cape Town and and people started speculating, you know, what is the deal? Apparently that night, a.k.a. was a drunk, Mm. you know. What you know was he involved? Wasn't he involved? Mm. And then after her death, these the video was um, leaked with with him trying to break into the mm. apartment in Bryanston, mm. and people started speculating like, was this guy involved in this? Mm. Was it a suicide? Was it a murder? Mm. And then exactly almost a year later, like it was, I think he died in February, and she had passed away a year, uh, two years earlier mm. in April. He's assassinated in front mm. of this restaurant mm. in Natal after performing at one of his friend's mm. uh, birthday parties. So, you know, and it seems, well, from the revelations this week that uh, there was a spotter who had been yeah. following him from the airport. Yeah, it's quite and, scary. I mean, uh, yeah. seven, seven certain people on the job. Yeah. That means they really wanted him dead. Exactly. And so, like, what, what, what is the deal? So, yeah. do, was Who it a hit? Him? Who wanted him dead? Exactly. Is the and, uh, I mean, it could be a plethora of, of things. It yeah. could be a plethora of things. We don't know exactly what it is. I mean, the last point of departure was the family was very unhappy with him, the, the, the family of his former fiance, and they'd accused him of the mur- of her murder mm. and they said it wasn't a suicide. And so it could be that. Mm. It could be maybe something went awry in a recording studio and there was some sort of disagreement. No one knows. So we'll yeah. find out. I guess that well, will be the this big is, thing. This is going to be, yeah, it's going to be one of those we're going to be watching for a long time. Yeah. But the American stories um, are 
much easier. The thread is oh, yeah. much simpler. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's very clean. I mean, in the sense that it's it's not complicated. It's well, I mean, I guess we've got a lot more hindsight with with the American cases. Yes, um, and there it's uh, except even while people are still alive, like. Like you look at the stories coming through now, P. Diddy's mm. and all of those. Oh, wow, yeah. Already you can tell, okay, drugs and <laughs> R. Kelly and, and all of those. You, okay, you can see the thread here already. Okay, we've got some yeah. big problems here. I mean, and, and Snoop Dogg, S- I, yeah. I mean, he was, well, now he's a big entrepreneur. And I love to, Snoop Dogg. We and love. And his wacky ways. Oh, man. And my favorite thing about he's Snoop, friends with Martha Stewart. Oh really? Yeah, of He's course. Yes, best yes. friends with Martha they've Stewart. Even, they've even shared a spliff together. Absolutely. <laughs> He's friends with Martha Stewart. I mean, come on. But, they're they're now in a movie together. Yeah, but it's what I love about Snoop cute. is that he's always been this like smooth Snoop Dogg is like my Oscar. Oscar who? Os- Oscar the DJ Oscar uh, uh, in this country. All uh, uh, right. Yeah, Snoop Dogg has got that. Swagger. Oscar, Oscar thing, you know. Now he's royalty. Mm-hmm. Now you know he's tired. Yeah, he's tired of being naughty, but he's given us a lot. Oh man, and, and he's great. And the thing about Snoop was that mm. he had a completely different type of rap style. Mm. So you had like Buster Rhymes back in the day, who was like very fast. That was his like trademark. The fact that he was a fast, fast rapper. And Snoop was on the other side of the continuum. He was like, always high. Snoop Dogg was always high. And, and chilled, like his chilled <laughs> rapping. If you cannot so catch him smooth. smoking something, I mean, you can just tell. Yeah, He's and, just smoked it. But the beauty of it was like it was a whiskey. Not, not that I drink whiskey. I don't drink, <laughs> I don't drink alcohol, period. But he, 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 like, he gives me that like smoky, like smooth, <laughs> like, oh, I just loved Snoop Dogg. Like... Like he's just had a zol. <laughs> <laughs> like he's just had a zol. Exactly. And that's his pace. And, and, you and don't want to do anything And about he started it. off as a drug dealer. That was his... <laughs> you see? That, that's where he started. Yeah. And that's how he got discovered in the studio. He was selling the guys drugs in the studio. <laughs> and they were like, hey, bro, why don't you just jump, jump on the microphone and, and rap for us? And that's how he got discovered and became famous. And anyway, when you're hired, you won't say no to anything. Exactly. You'll just do and also, making money off music is a hell of a lot easier than selling drugs exactly. and possibly getting shot on the streets. <laughs> so let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we continue with our music special, looking at the unfortunate story of assassinations in the music business. That's the music of Notorious B.I.G. Remember him? Mm, P. Diddy and Maze. More problems. With uh, Diana Ross in the background because they sampled a song called I'm Coming Out. uh, Yes, 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 of course. course, course. So she's the female vocalist in the background. Uh, That song, oh my God. Like, when it came out, I just loved. Like, it was such a power, Mm. power, power song. Mm. And I just was so in love. I mean, it used to make me want to cry. I was so excited about this song. Yeah. But um, and he too went that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but my more money, more problems are not something we've got a problem with, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> other people's problems. But um, yeah. So the whole, so the the notorious Big Tupac story. It's actually quite sad because both were really brilliant rappers. Isn't that the, I mean, how sad is that? Yeah. Yeah. 
and and both so young. Mm. So I guess if you're in the hip hop world and you uh, manage to make it into your thirties, you've lived a long mm. life, mm. Uh, because both were in their early twenties mm. when they passed away. Uh, Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Like, when you think of how much they left us with. Exactly. Especially a huge, yeah. huge legacy. Mm. Um, they were prolific in mm. the time that they were in the industry, mm. and um, and the whole thing was. The East Coast, West Coast rappers mm. were so it all started in the East Coast in New York, and uh, people, you know, the whole art of hip hop was born in New York, and so the New York rappers felt that they owned rap; it mm. was their art form, mm. and actually, the whole thing almost never happened. The whole hip hop thing almost never happened because uh, initially it was just at the block parties and people were having parties and you jump on stage as an MC and then you'd improvise over the breaks. Uh, and and that's how it was. You know, it was supposed to be impromptu. Mm. Um, and it, Jay-Z to this day, even when he goes into studio, he never plans what he's going to sing. It's impromptu in the studio. What comes to his mind is what gets recorded. So he doesn't write down any lyrics. And so... When Sylvia Robinson in 1979 decided that she wanted to do something, she was a she she was a really big artist in the 1960s, but she decided she wanted to become a record executive and she was going to start this record company called Sugar Hill Records. And the reason why uh, Sugar Hill Records is because there was a district in New York which was predominantly inhabited by African American people, but it was an aspirational area where a lot of as, like wealthy mm. African American people were living, and so she called her record company Sugar Hill Records mm. to like show like a mm. sign of aspiration, mm. you know, that this was like something aspirational. Mm. And when she decided to start the company, she was trying to find people to record. Mm. No one would record for her mm. because all the rappers were like, "No, no, no, no. we can't record." hip hop mm. because it's supposed to be an impromptu mm. like improvisational genre and to record it will kill the essence mm. of what hip hop is all about mm. and so so the, the the east coast rappers really felt that it was their art form mm. and so when the west coast rappers started doing their thing mm. and their style was completely different mm. from the hip hop that was being produced in the east coast the East Coast rappers were a little jealous mm. and they were like, oh, all the thunder is being stolen away mm. from us. You know, we are the initiators. We are the pioneers. Mm. We are the mavericks. Mm. And now they're stealing our thunder. So when Tupac came out in 1994 with his first album, he redirected the attention mm. of the people back to the mm. East Coast. Mm. And so um, he had success with his album. And then all of a sudden, Biggie Smalls releases his album on mm. the West Coast and it redirects mm. the attention mm. away from the East Coast again. Mm. And so there was this constant backwards and forwards mm. between the two. Mm. And eventually what happened was um, there was a, a shootout um, in the East Coast after Tupac had gone to the recording studio and he was leaving the recording studio, got shot five times mm. in front of the recording studio. And people speculated that it was someone from the West Coast. Mm, yeah. um, shortly after the shooting, he was thrown into prison for uh, sexual misconduct. Mm. There was like some sexual harassment case and he landed up going to prison, Tupac. 
And P. Diddy went to prison mm. to say to him, dude, it wasn't anyone from my side. Mm. It, like, we didn't do anything wrong. I promise it wasn't anyone from my camp. And things seemed to balance out mm. until Suge Knight decided to throw a curveball at one of the award ceremonies and and started... Um, uh, baiting P. Diddy. Mm. And so that's when things started escalating and mm. getting out of control. Then at a party, a, a Jermaine Dupree party, one of, um, uh, I'm not, I can't quite remember, but one of the, I think one, one of Suge Knight's people was shot at this party and he was killed. Shortly thereafter, Tupac then gets finally assassinated. Mm after going to go watch a Mike Tyson match mm -hmm. in Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. uh, so he was in the West Coast Territory mm -hmm. and he gets shot and killed mm -hmm. there. And so uh, a peace summit gets arranged mm -hmm. where um, Louis Farrakhan, mm -hmm. the head of the yes. uh, Nation of Islam, yeah. decides to call this peace summit to try and unify mm -hmm. the hip-hop world. It doesn't work. Mm -hmm. uh, and then shortly thereafter, about six months after... Tupac is assassinated, Notorious B.I.G. is assassinated. Mm. And they try another peace summit. Louis Farrakhan tries to bring the people together. Mm. It doesn't work. Mm. Later on, P. Diddy um, at, tries to, like, you know, like say, come on, guys, we need to, like, we mm. need to unify. Mm. That didn't work. And eventually in 1999, uh, Mrs. Wallace and Mrs. Shakur... Uh, go to the MTV Music Awards and they present Best Rap Album. And at the MTV Awards, they say, e enough. We mm. can't carry on like this. Mm. The murders and it's just out of control. Mm. We need to unify. Mm. And so at that point, the hip-hop world unified. Mm. And the most amazing thing happened thereafter, which is that after the unification of the hip-hop world, Hip-hop dominated the charts for the next 10 years. Mm. There was hardly anything else that was number one on the charts other than a hip-hop track for the next 10 years. We've got Spoo in Kenilworth who wants to add a piece or two. Hi, Spoo. Hey, Pamela. How are you doing? Good, good. Thanks for calling. Yes, this topic is very dear to me because I was a 17-year-old living in Yeovil and it was quite a buzzing and bubbling hip-hop culture. Yes. I mean, get a rough. I mean... What year? What year, Spoo? Uh, this was around 98. Mm -hmm. 98, 2000. And even though we didn't have, like, um, gun violence, but remember the beef between Kwaito and hip-hop. Um, even Ammunition uh, and Mr. Selwyn had that attention song. Yes. What about you, Kwaito? You want to try it? No. No being hip-hop in my flop, I'll stick to it. They keep on saying the same thing again and again and again and again, you know? Mm. But at the same time, Zola and Amu had a, a track together, <laughs> as if now, <laughs> uniting hip-hop and Kwaito. Yes. And it became a smash, you know? Yeah. Uh, and Kwaito was always like a local hip-hop because like when TKZ yes. came through, Kwaito was like very few lyrics. Yeah. Do and Atta and then very few. <laughs> TKZ came with verses, you know. Um, Cabello and uh, Tukulo, they came with verses and then came Zola with 
like that dead and poetry, that mm. deep poetry, mm. you know. So, yeah, um, it is very um, touching and sentimental. Also, if you think of movies like The Eight Mile, it shows like how that culture, that street culture, um, that hip hop culture in America, mm -hmm. and also uh, that movie Brown Sugar with like romance and hip hop in it. Yeah, so I just wanted to make that contribution. Wow, thanks, Fu. Lovely, lovely contribution. And look at our friend Arthur now and what's happening there as well, because that was bound to to come out in the wash at some point. <laughs> hey, you have you are throwing shade. <laughs> But and then, so I better watch myself when I leave this place because that I'm gonna, I might be the next two parts. But um, what what I loved about TKZ is that Zwei, who was one of the main orchestrators of the band, was a is not was is a highly educated musician mm -hmm. who's had phenomenal formal music training mm -hmm. and so as a result thereof i mean he he was able to take quite a to yeah, the next level. level no he did he did so and mentored a lot of people along the way and, and he still is yeah, yeah and he still is yeah. um oh, i forgot another and little. i think he brought an element of respect yes to a genre as we were saying that exactly. oh, was kind of ficklish kind of bubblegumish exactly yeah and that you know that I mean <clears throat> the beauty of of what TKZ and maybe we should have a TKZ show actually mm, mm. Uh, um, but the beauty of TKZ is that it was it was such a layered music it mm. was you could see that someone was sitting in the studio and mm. picking it apart and trying to reassemble it to create something so originally mm. South African. Mm. Um, and it would have required someone with formal music training to mm. be able to do that. Mm. And the sampling and the layering of the music mm. and the rap, uh, the, the not rap, but the, the rhyming of the lyrics and mm. all of that stuff. It was really like TKZ were elevated the genre into something completely different. Okay, well, let's take a quick break. We'll be back to Bora. Yeah. There is so much to pick from <clears throat> when you think about Tupac. Oh, yeah. And that was a Dr. Dre production, yeah. and we love, I love Dr. Dre. He's just such a master. Yeah. Um, and th that's how he got his name, actually, because he was such a brilliant mixer uh, and blending music and DJing that they called him, a, a, first he called him a master of mixology, and then they gave him the title Dr. Mm. Dre. Mm. Um, but the beauty of... of the Tupac stuff um, because Dr. Dre essentially started a whole new genre mm. called uh, G-Funk mm. and you can hear like that song super funky mm. and it's because they were using all of these samples back from the 1970s from a ba band called Parliament and Funkadelic mm -hmm. and they were using all of these samples so Snoop Dogg's got it all in there mm. and Debrat also mm. had like all of this G-Funk sampling yeah. um, sorry it was G-Funk p uh, Parliament and Funkadelic uh, sample tracks that they were using in the music. Um, and actually, a, a lot of disco stuff was also being used um, in, in the tracks. I forgot to mention one thing. So another thing that pushed everything over the edge was uh, at one point, uh, I think it was in 1995, Tupac approached Faith Evans, mm. who was Notorious B.I.G.'s wife, yes. and asked her to record a track 
with him. Mm. And then what happened was he offered her $250,000. And then when the truck is finished, he said, no, I won't pay you unless you have sex with me. And that... That got him so mad. That just blew things out of the water for for the war between the two parties. But... um, yeah, you can imagine that you've got these guys. There's a lot of drugs involved, uh, like um, mm. s- splattered around, um, and they're all making music. But they all come from this background of drugs and alcohol, and and things can go awry. And clearly, that is what happened there. The beauty is that at the end of the whole story, the two mothers getting together and and trying to urge people to mm. move away from the violence is what unified the rap world in the mm. end. So the death of Tupac and Notorious B.I.G. in the long run was the unifying force that brought the hip-hop world mm. together and changed everything. I mean, post that, you've got Eminem, you've got Drake, you've got all of these big-name artists um, that have come out of the hip-hop world, mm. but that needed to happen in order for yeah. the other thing to happen. What a, what a pity. Yeah, it is a pity, a pity because they were both phenomenally talented rappers. And then this next person we're going to talk about. Oh, wow. It's like exactly that. Oh, wow. Yeah, exactly. Like that, Fam- his story is a movie. Family ties. Yeah. So so Marvin Gaye is what we're playing out with today. Yeah. Um, and um, it's such a sad story because mm-hmm. Marvin Gaye was like this sensitive soul and phenomenal musician uh, from the Motown crew. So he was part of the Stevie Wonder crew and Michael Jackson and the Jackson 5, Gladys Knight and the Pips, Mm. the Supremes, the Temptations. You know, I mean, it was a a roster of artists that was exceptional. And in the 1970s, it decided, as many of the... um, Motown artists decided that they were going to leave Motown and they were going to explore other things. The problem with Motown was that Barry Gordy was very restrictive in what an artist could do. He Mm. controlled the whole supply chain. He controlled the whole production line when it came to Motown. So everyone was on the payroll. The musicians were on the payroll. The artists were on the payroll. The producers were on the payroll. Everyone on the production line was on the payroll. And Barry Gordy's whole concept was to use a production line concept because he started off his career working at the Ford Motor Production Company and he saw the production line and was like, oh, I can use that and make stars. Mm. And so he started with his thing and it was very successful Mm. because everyone was on the payroll. And actually, it was almost like a bit of a cult. So if you were a musician that was playing for Barry Gordy, you didn't play for anyone Mm. else. And he had spies that were watching out to see that the musicians weren't playing for other record Mm. companies. Mm. So it was very competitive. Anyway, that was very stifling for creatives like Marvin Gaye, who wasn't just like a Diana Ross, Mm. who got given a song, performed a song. Marvin Gaye wanted to create his own music Mm. and make his own way. And so eventually he parted ways with Motown. I think he signed to Sony at that point and started releasing work. But it had been quite some time. And actually, incidentally, like the, 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 one of the biggest albums that Notorious B.I.G. had was like released a few weeks after he passed away. Same, same thing with AKA. Like I think AKA was on the verge of releasing an album and he got murdered just before mm, the mm, release yes, of that album. Yeah. And Marvin Gaye had been away for quite some time and he was on the verge of relaunching his solo career. Mm. And um, 
the one night him and his father are having uh, altercation. Mm. The dad uh, comes out with a gun, shoots Marvin Gaye twice, and kills his son. That's it. And and that was the end of Marvin Gaye. Sadly, because Marvin Gaye was like an astounding, astounding musician, musician yeah. and um, murdered by the father. The father then. Um, there was a whole big court case and it was a murder court case but then they found that the father had a brain tumour and so the charge of murder was dropped down to manslaughter because he they found that he didn't have like full uh, control over his um, Mm. consciousness and so he the the charge was dropped to a manslaughter charge and that was the end of a phenomenal musician Mm. and I mean there's so many I mean John Lennon same Mm. kind of scenario he had a um, a a schizophrenic fan Mm. who was hearing voices he was living in Hawaii and he was hearing voices that he needed to go and kill John Lennon. Mm. And John Lennon was also on on the verge of a comeback. So the, the Marvin Gaye and John Lennon situation happened very close to each other. Mm. And um, John Lennon was in the recording studio at the time. He was about to release a new album. The first night that he came back home to his apartment in New York at the Dakota building, um, he saw the fan and the fan even came over and asked him for mm. an autograph and he signed the album and everything. The next night, John Lennon's coming back with Yoko Ono and the fan calls his name. John Lennon turns around, he shoots him and murders him right in front of the Dakota building. Mm. Um, and so now you can understand why celebrities like that of that caliber mm. don't go anywhere without a security detail. I mean, it's almost like compulsory. You can't go anywhere nowadays if you don't have that kind of um, security around you because you never know who's going to come after you. Was there any material that was left over? Of what? Of of Marvin Gaye's work. I mean, as you say, you know, yes. there was going to so be... So there were posthumous re- releases yeah. post his yeah. death, yeah. So uh, the, the album that was going to be released was released shortly thereafter mm. and that was highly successful album and there have been various other Mm. releases as the years have progressed Mm. the thing with artists is and people are like ah but this guy's been dead for 20 years how are they releasing new content there's always something left over generally what happens is an artist will record 10 20 tracks extra for Mm. an album not all of them are going to make make it it. Mm. and so that's how you land up with all of these posthumous albums Mm. with new content Mm. because those are songs that were Mm. not going to be released and now all of a sudden are are reworked and released that's that's how we end the show thank you so much if you missed it live catch the broadcast on kaya959.co.za